This week marks our 100th episode of our podcast. Joining us for this special episode are Matt Hewson and Janine Saunders. We discuss the current climate of working in the service industry and hiring staff in these pandemic times. We talk about some of the various pet peeves of customers that we've all experienced over the years. Matt and Janine discuss their optimism about the future of the service industry. And of course, we have a couple of drinks throughout the episode as well. Thanks to everyone who has had a chance to listen to the podcast. And cheers to the next 100 episodes. Well, welcome to a very special episode of the Industry Podcast. Dan, we did it. We turned 100. Yeah, I know. I'm kind of surprised. Yeah, if I can keep on saying that's still the 90 plus episodes more than I thought we were going to do. I know. <laughs> and think about how many beers and bottles of wine that is. I'm sure it was a shit ton at the start. And a lot of tequila. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to at Tromba for all of the uh, tequilines and PMA. Fucking PMA. Enough PMA people on this uh, podcast that they should be sponsoring us uh, by now. Fuck yeah. Well, cheers to the 100th episode. Cheers. I got a little uh, champagne for us here. So we'll pop that. 100 episodes. When we first, our first episode, we did it live from Sugar Run. There's lots of ambient noise. We were very drunk and there was no pandemic. That's correct. <laughs> Woo! So, cheers, folks. And we have some great guests for you, as always, today. We'll get to them in just a minute when we feel like it. <laughs> but yeah, it's pretty crazy. 100, 100 fucking episodes. Yep. Cheers to the next 100. <laughs> we make it another hundred. That'll truly be a Christmas yeah, miracle. That's true. All right. Well, cheers. One hundred episodes of the Industry Podcast. Yeah, it's been a fun. It's been a fun time. Mm-hmm. We've and we've interviewed a shit ton of people, considering the fact that uh, on a lot of these episodes we had more than one guest. So, yeah, so if you could just list all hundred from memory. I can remember the last one. <laughs> that was Jonathan Gushu. Yeah. Okay. I remember that Ray one. Prior to that. Uh, and then just tails off. I can remember the first one because it was our oh, former, Dan. my former band, bar manager at Sugar Run, Dan Collins. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Dan if you're still listening to these. Uh, and today we have my current bar manager from Sugar Run as well as my current bar manager from Babylon Sisters. These are both bars in Kitchener and Waterloo that you should be checking out. Uh, so we should, I should also mention that we have exciting news. We are now working with Little Mushroom Catering to supply food for both spots, so we'll have a bit of a beefed up dinner menu at Babylon Sisters, so start thinking about us a little earlier in the evening, and Sugar Run is going to have a much more extensive menu as well, so that's exciting news. Wonderful, I'll put links to all that in the show notes, as always, Yeah. for those who want to check them out, because they better, because it's a lot of work. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, in celebration of our 100th episode, I do have the two managers of the bars at both of my bars with us today. We have Matt Houston. How you doing, Matt? Great. Good to be here. Thanks and for coming And Janine Saunders. Hello. Here's something that's interesting that you may or may not know is that Janine Saunders is actually my wife. <laughs> she is? Yeah. Were you aware? <laughs> oh, there was that one night. <laughs> <laughs> so, cheers to you guys once again. Thanks for doing the show. Yep. We turned 100. It feels like it mm-hmm. <laughs> after two years of this bullshit. Uh, it feels yeah. like it after the Super Bowl party. Oh, that's January. true. It's funny, like when we first did the very first episode, we certainly didn't think that we'd be going through this crazy up and down with the pandemic and how that actually even affected the show where we literally went to Zoom for so long. And, and mm-hmm. so we're back to doing some interviews in person again, which is, I, I personally prefer. Yeah, it's a nice uh, I know nice you don't change. like people, so. It's true, I do hate everyone <laughs> in general. <laughs> 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 so that's been different, but although obviously we've been interviewing people from all over the world, so 
there are lots that are still done by Zoom. Today's is in person because we know these people. So guys, thanks for doing the hundredth episode of the Industry Podcast. Mm -hmm. It took I, I I tried to convince Matt exactly one hundred times to do it. Yeah. <laughs> First, I thought you were saying it was uh, the year anniversary. I was like, "There's no way that uh, it's been more than that." Yeah, two years. Like I said, like back when we, we the pandemic was not even a thing when we did the first episode. Yeah, it's crazy to think about now. So, that seems so long ago. Yes, it does. I know it does. Seems like another to, like lifetime. Yeah. It's hard to imagine a world. Well, I'm sure by episode 200, we'll still be talking yeah. about the pandemic. If we do, uh, I'm going to take a bath with a hairdryer away before that happens. So uh, let's talk about that just to get to start off with. Let's talk a little bit about some of the challenges you guys have felt over the last couple of years of dealing with this horseshit. I, I know that we won't dwell on this because we're all fucking tired of talking yeah, about yeah. it. But well, we'll start with you, Matt. What, talk to us a little bit about the last two years of your life and dealing with uh, bartending during a pandemic. I mean, you know how many times you've laid me off. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Good yeah. point. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've been bartending so consistently, I didn't realize how bad I'd be at the lockdown, just thinking, like, how much I'd actually miss doing all this stuff, and, uh, but then at the same time, it's, it's, it's always so stressful going back, this seven and flow of, you know, start, stop, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and then you go back, half capacity, full capacity, Close it's it. so much more than the, you yeah. know, when you switch bars and go to a new job, there's always that sort of shaky feeling of like, do I even remember how to do that? But this, it's like been the uh, relearning how to interact on a more even basic level. Yeah, and closing, sure. and but like it's exciting, closing but early sometimes. Closing early, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so how did, and uh, what do you think about that, Janine? Like, what are, how have you felt? Yeah, like doing last call at, we had to do it at nine, right? For, for a while, while. yeah. 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 Like, that was just crazy. You just kind of felt like you were getting into your flow for the night, you know, like, because it kind of takes you a bit, right? Like, it's always a bit of a slow start. And then, yeah, I feel like around, like, 9, 10, 11 is when you kind of, like, are like, okay, like, well, yeah, I'm having a time. People's drinking habits are so different. I remember coming out of the first really long lockout, having to cut people off at 10 p.m. because <laughs> they, they've been drinking, at, they're so used to drinking at home, and then they're so excited to yeah. come back out now. Yeah, I was that's like, holy true. shit, like, people are falling off their stools. And, <laughs> yeah. and five hours to last call, yeah. yeah. How were the lockdowns for you, like, personally, as far as, like, in a mental health um, area? Because I know, specifically, everyone struggled with their mental health during this last couple of years. Hopefully it seems like we're coming out of it a little bit. I know I certainly did, but like specifically in the service industry, like we've been hit some of the hardest of anyone with constant yeah. lockdowns, even when other people are still allowed to go to work or at least work from home. Did you, did either of you have any struggles with that? For sure, yeah. I mean, I think the first one was eye-opening because I realized that even with time off, I'm still not going to write the next great American novel. Like, like you know, you just you, you think you're not as prolific, creative, you know, if you weren't working. Right. And then all of a sudden, I had nothing but time, and you know, for the first few months, I did fuck all. So just wasted it. You know, it was great, but it was also like, gosh. Okay, so it's it's not the job. It's me. <laughs> yeah, I did not. I, I started writing a book that I got about 15 pages into, and then that was it. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's still, it's, a, it's what they call a work in progress in the art community. Oh, okay. That's what we're calling it? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> a work in progress. Well, so it's been a crazy time for all of us. I do feel like we're sort of kind of coming out of it now, it seems like. I feel like I should be knocking on wood for this, but like, we definitely, restrictions are being lifted for the most part by March, so we'll still have to wear a mask, but... 
you don't have to wear goggles anymore, <laughs> so that's nice. Uh, mm -hmm. How did you find the, the clientele during this time? Like With the exception the of the early part. drinking that you mentioned. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I think for the most part, people were better behaved than usual. Really? I found that, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, you still have your extra people and like your Karens, but I feel like overall, most people would go out of their way to be like, thank you for everything you're doing. Like, thank you for checking our Vax Pass. Thanks for, you know, making sure that people are following the rules. And I don't know, I found that people tend to tip a little bit better even for the most part, mm -hmm. so. How about you, Matt? Well, every time has been sort of different. I mean, the most challenging, I guess, for, for us was when we opened up a patio and we were in a patio bar and so we literally had to build a satellite bar so everything was stocked outside. There's no running into the into the restaurant. So it was a, like a limited menu, and we really leaned into the limitations. And I did a cocktail menu that was that was small and kind of tongue in cheek with a lot of the old sort of cabana style outdoor drinks. And some people just didn't get it. They were just like, uh, so well, like, I just don't understand it. Or it's just a vodka cran, and it's like, well, we don't have cranberry juice up here. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like that. Yeah. People not understanding that like we're, this is a totally new thing for us, and you know we're all trying to just just survive here and uh, create a space where we can actually do a service or whatever when we're a late night you know basement speakeasy like yeah also you can get a vodka crayon any, like anywhere For sure, yeah. anytime and like your cocktails were so beautiful delicious it's like why don't you try something different you can have a vodka cranberry tomorrow the next day the next day like yeah well, I feel like, um, and I think you heard me say this many times during the pandemic, is like, much like getting wasted, this pandemic brought out just the extremes of everyone's personality. Sure. So if you're generally a good person and a good guest, then you became an even better one because mm -hmm. you're even more understanding. You're tipping even better. But if you were just a fucking asshole, then you just became a bigger asshole. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I think that that's kind of what happened a little bit there. So one of the interesting things about this podcast that we've, that Dan and I have always enjoyed is talking to people from all over the world who have gotten their start in so many different ways into the service industry, because everybody's, like, the service industry brings all types of people. So this is a good contrast, actually, because I happen to know both of your origin stories. Uh, Matt pretty much mirrors mine. We, you can talk a little bit about how you got into it. Yeah, well, I mean, we're both from Kingston. Mm -hmm. I got in, into it, you know, it's not a great romantic story. I got into it out of necessity, out of survival. I left school and moved out really early, near sort of early 2000s, and just was working sort of pubs. And it was a while after that, I, uh, and I was kind of floating back between different kitchens. Like, my start was in, in kitchens, and it was a while before I actually kind of fell in love with what I was doing, but maybe my third sort of restaurant that I was at. And at that point, I was sort of moving out, out front a little bit, because it was just, it, I mean, it was just better money. I've heard, I've heard like that. You did both. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing both, yeah. But yeah I always felt like my heart was in the kitchen. And so you're doing like line cook stuff? Or? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like oh, wow. I, I probably have more, by years, I have more in the back house than the front house. Oh, shit. Yeah, and then um, that's really how I got attracted to the sort of modern cocktail bartending and classic. But the bars I'd worked were sort of volume dive. That stuff, and I love that. Like, it's fun. It was really fun, but it wasn't, you know, uh, creative, or right. you know, there wasn't really a, an outlet that way. I was just sort of doing it. I was playing music and, and touring, you know, a little bit. So it was a job that I could leave and come back to, oh, whether right. or not it was the same restaurant or a different one. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of people get into the industry for that. For reason. that, yeah, it's very flexible. Yeah, or you can travel if you're traveling. I was a traveling yeah. person, so that was the same thing. And I just cooking's even easier. You yeah. don't even have to speak. You know, the to language people. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, the language, you know. Yeah. Um, so it was all that. And then, you know, volume bar, and then I was 
you know, I'd worked with some pretty good chefs there, and then when I moved to Vancouver, I, I got into a pretty serious kitchen there, and that's where I really, you know, saw, like, an old-school sort of brigade and with a lot of, like, modern technique. What prompted you to move out west? Just, uh, just for change, or...? No, the, uh, I was with somebody at the time who was yeah, going to school always, there. It's always a... Yeah. It's always a relationship. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, we've done a hundred of these episodes. Yeah, yeah. How many times you have you said, why did you move out there? And they didn't say, well, I followed a boy or a girl. Yeah, <laughs> a bartender. Yeah. yeah, that's where I really, and then coming back, that's when I sort of was seeing all these cocktail bars. I was like, I can do this. I don't have the, the classic, uh, but I know if I marry sort of my dive volume bar with classic kitchen, you know, I, I could marry the two things and, oh, cool. and do that, yeah. And so a very different sort of scenario for you, Janine. Talk to us a little bit about how you started in the industry and where you came from. <laughs> well, I was first a sandwich artist. <laughs> so We've had a couple of sandwich artists on here already. Seems to be a good training ground. For... <laughs> it is, because you have to learn to like, multitask and be really fast, especially like if it's like, I don't even remember all the silly deals that they would have going on. But... The spot that I worked was where the super center is now, so Highland and Fisher Holman, that area. So busy, busy, busy. So sometimes there'd be like a line out the door. Ooh. And you just don't look. You don't even look. You're just like, okay, this person. What a world, eh? We used to line up for shitty sandwiches. I know. <laughs> I used to go to oh somewhere in town when I was 19 because it was one of the few places that was open late. Yeah. We just show up just drunk. <laughs> And you were one of the many drunk people waiting for the yeah. line. <laughs> so yeah, so I started there, and then a few years later, I worked at Krabby Joe's, and then that's where I first got into bartending, and I was like, oh, I like this, this is fun. Mm -hmm. And then took a few more years off, and then White Rabbit is when I really was like, okay, I love this, this is so fun. I've heard of that and place. Were you aware that I used to own that place? You didn't. Yeah, it's true. What? I think we just crossed paths. <laughs> <laughs> I also read in your bio that uh, oh, you did. <laughs> <laughs> that you grew up Mennonite too, which is sort of you don't see a lot of Mennonites slinging cocktails. No, you definitely don't. So my parents mostly because the bonnet sends it's dripping the drink. The you can use on it as a stringer though. Yeah, it's so handy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I feel like that has had some like challenges because I didn't grow up around booze at all, right? So like my parents didn't drink, none of their friends drank, my grandparents like, like no so relatives I of any sort were That's no excuse like, me neither. I grew up Baptist, but I still managed to get hammered by twelve. Yeah, <laughs> Was that a, as a rule? Or like yeah, that's a rule. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh really? Not yeah, so like I wasn't for... exposed to wine or beer or like anything. So I really had to like learn and especially when I at White Rabbit, like we always joke I picked the hardest spot to probably work in the city. But I was just like, all right, I want to learn all this. So I would go home and I would watch YouTube or I would go to the liquor store and buy different bottles so I knew what it tasted like. But yeah, so I never grew up with like, you know, my dad drinking any kind of beer or like seeing my mom drink cocktails with her friends. So I had no, and I didn't leave until I was 18. So, and it was a very slow, gradual leave. I would say I was like fully out of the Mennonites, maybe by 20, 22. Uh, so like obviously no wine during communion in church as no, we got grape juice. Yeah, we got grape what's juice too. What's that bullshit? So this is what's oh, kind of funny is I've sort of been paired in the middle of you two because I grew up the exact same way as Matt in Kingston, leaving home very early, falling into partying pretty early, yeah. and then but also grew up hardcore religious with a Baptist background where my parents didn't drink or anything like that either. Mm -hmm. Now, I did find that I learned a lot from rummaging through other people's garages. <laughs> <laughs> so I, maybe, maybe there was... So maybe that's what I did wrong? Yeah. Yeah, like if, if you were to have a do-over, you would have been more ready for a rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. 
and I'm, I always find that interesting, like the varying degrees of how people get into the industry and so many different types of people end up here. Would you guys both agree, though, that it takes a certain kind of person to stick with it? Especially, like, well, let's say not even, leave the pandemic out of it because it's really taken a special kind of person to stick with it now. But yeah. the people who kind of make it in the service industry and the people who, can you, do you feel like you can tell right away when someone's not going to make it? Yeah. You can tell if they're just showing up just to make some fast cash and maybe, like, peace out and go travel for a bit or, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think I can tell intuitively because I've, you know, managed enough places and yeah. done that where I think we're the same because I've done, in, you know, we've interviewed you know, people together. Mm-hmm. Where you know, it's kind of more like, kind of like this. Now we just do do, do a conversation. As Although we fucked up the last one pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we weren't getting really the surge of uh, of CVs that maybe yeah we thought. But you just kind of have that conversation. You kind of way better than combing through a bunch of resumes and yeah, you know you know mm-hmm. you know so quickly like like you don't even need to talk about the industry necessarily and you, you kind of get an idea of how that person's gonna gel. And guys, like, what can you really get from the fucking resume anymore, anyway, right? Because like, if if you don't have experience, you're just gonna lie about it. You're gonna invent a bar that's in a different city that you quote unquote used to live in. <laughs> yeah, well, what I had is uh, about your last interview. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that that yeah. girl, I called that place, and it was just it went right to somebody's personal voicemail. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> yeah. this, maybe this isn't working. <laughs> but yeah, the resume is always funny because everybody. You read this so many, and it's always just you know a list like I you know clean bar, yeah, handled cash, did the end of day reports, blah blah, and it's like yeah no shit like we, <laughs> like I know like if you work so and so place I know that's what you did, but I'm not from this city so like explain the place, explain the right. vibe, yeah. explain the clientele, explain the demographic and stuff like that, and then it's a fun first of all it's a fun read more fun read for us, and mm-hmm. also like we can actually sort of start to picture it yeah, yeah. as opposed to the, a lot more sense. You know, the chores that we all do. That's interesting. Since you brought that up, what are some of the things that you guys think, if anyone was like listening to this, if, if someone's made it to episode 100 here and still has not entered the service industry, what, what, like, what kind of advice would you give to people who are trying to get into it as, uh, to give them sort of a head start? Like, now you just mentioned something they could do with their resumes at least, but like, is there something that people can be doing on their own to... Yeah. To improve it at a job before they even get it? Find well, a mentor. Oh, yeah? Yeah, definitely. Like, find someone who's not like, well, you know, I kind of dealt like, with this when I entered the service industry. It was just like, figure it out yourself. Like, why don't you know? Like, right. you know, so find someone who's gotten over themselves and doesn't have an ego and is like, here, like, what do you need to know? Let me, like, let's have a conversation. Let's make some drinks together. Let's have some fun. And then read and then watch YouTube. Yeah, for me, for like, kind of bar that you know, cocktail bartending, creating menus, that sort of stuff. Work in a kitchen. And right now, even a good kitchen, it's not, not that hard to get in. It's a good time for that. And that's been... Definitely not. That's been... Uh, <laughs> that's been crazy. Yeah. I think my biggest sort of leg up or tool advantage in, in jumping on the bar... Help to something that's been able to separate, you know, me from others. Yeah, help, help yeah. you develop a flavor profile yeah. and stuff, right? And you guys had uh, the Denver... Alex Jump. Yeah, Action so that, think, Alex Jump. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, who is this? That's a way more culinary sort of type bar. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that, I think that's her background. Or, mm-hmm. yeah. And we had, who was um, from, oh, I'm drawing a blank right now because we're 100 episodes in, I'm old and we're who, drinking. Is that the guy that caught himself on fire in the kitchen? Who, thinking Justin of that Justin one? Justin <laughs> <laughs> uh, No, um, what, uh, from uh, the aviary in Chicago. Oh, yeah, shoot. 
I'm not gonna remember her name right now, but as well, also like yeah. you, you astonished in yeah. Um, yeah. the aviary. So it's like a, also a very culinary approach to how you make uh, yeah, cocktails. Yeah, sure, like modern. Yeah. I apologize to the head bartender from the aviary because that's <laughs> insulting that I can't remember her name right now. But there's been a hundred fucking episodes yeah, for yeah, Christ's yeah. sake, and we drank on every single one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're pretty old. Yeah, I am getting pretty seen out. <laughs> also, I'm deaf, so I haven't heard half of what anyone said to me on these podcasts. I'm just kidding. I have listened. One thing I kind of want to talk about, too, is some of the sort of the pet peeves that you guys have experienced from customers over the years. We were talking about one the other night at Babylon, so why don't you run through that one, and then I'll give Matt some time to think about people yeah, he that hates. Was, <laughs> that was a good one. Hmm. And I said to you after it happened, I was just like, wow, I think that's the rudest person that I've ever had to deal with here. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just like... Besides myself? Well, yeah. yeah. Like what I was saying. <laughs> You're kind of family, so we have to put up with you. <laughs> uh, so this table of three came in, and they were lovely. We were all having a good time, and I had built them out. Everyone was like so pleasant, thank you, like everything was amazing. And the one guest comes up to the bar and Kip was sitting there because he always comes in. I work solo a lot during this point in the pandemic, so Kip will come in and then if I need help, he can like hop on the floor. And this lady comes up to him and she's like, are you the owner? And he said, yes, I am. And she's like, the music sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Straight up. (laughs) Clearly knowing that I had like it was my music yeah. <laughs> yeah so apparently your taste sucks yeah but it was like okay you're welcome to have your own opinion obviously yeah, yeah you're welcome to have like, taste of music yeah. it's, it's so, a free country yeah exactly just, just don't tell the convoy but but <laughs> 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 it was like and, but she also complained about the level of the volume and I was like okay you could have expressed both of these thoughts to me, maybe you did have to say the music sucked, but you could have expressed the fact that the volume, you maybe found it was too loud, and maybe even expressed the fact that you didn't care for the music. They, for a while, were the only table in there. So, like, if you're the only table and something's not up to your, like, you know, sure. then it's more like, okay, let's have a conversation, maybe we can turn down the music or up the heat or, like, whatever people want. But to not say anything for the whole hour and a half that you were here, and then at the very right. end, like... But it, was, it would be funny if she thought it was too quiet. She probably got a little bit of liquid courage by the end. But, that, yeah, but, 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 but what, what Janine brought up after was like, like, this is the most annoying thing because it's like, I can't do anything to help you as you're walking out. Like if she had said from the get-go, oh, would you mind turning the music down? We totally would have done it because they were the only table in here at that time. Yeah. Now, we wouldn't have changed the music just because you thought it sucked, but like... But we definitely would have turned the volume down. Like, this whole notion of, like, throwing a review over your shoulder as you're walking out the door. Or, even worse, the people who don't say shit and then go home and post a shitty review about you, which has become the bigger thing online. Like, that's the worst thing ever. Like, if you had a complaint... Express it. Maybe I can do something about it. Don't fucking. And we were having so many conversations. So at yeah. any point, you could have said to me like, "Hey, I find the music too loud," or like whatever. Like, anyways, well, I, I, <laughs> you're pretty unapproachable. Yeah. I, had a I review, get that all the time. I had a review for her that I'll be posting later. Too. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Matt? Any things come to mind specifically that drives you nuts? I mean, yeah, it's kind of asking somebody like what they want for Christmas and. 
Just yeah, black. But I know the the biggest one for most of us is um, if you can if you can see that we're busy, you haven't been there or been to the, the bar before, and you want a cocktail, mm-hmm. order off the fucking menu. Yeah. Or look at the menu. Like how many people are like they? You know, it's like yes, we love creating you know drinks off menu, but we also spend a ton of time on the menu and change it quite a bit. So it's when people uh, they come in. They don't even look at it, and they're like, "Just make me, uh, just make me whatever." I just hate, I hate gin. Yeah. And you're you're six deep. Right. Uh, you're make putting server server drinks out and stuff like that. And it's like just, you know, look at the menu. I work yeah. really hard on it. Yeah, <laughs> I love this and menu. I, I, and, t- it's, and it's going to change in, in six weeks. You <laughs> know, like, check out the ones that don't have gin. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, and a lot of people they genuinely think they're like, "This is what you love to do. I'm just letting you do your thing." And it's like. Well, it's funny, for sure, but... Uh, so I didn't mention that because we talked to... It's, it, this is actually working out exactly how I planned because it's reminding me of all the old episodes we had. We've interviewed Josh Finley, who's an amazing dude who runs Bartender Atlas, and that's a site everybody should check out, the website, yeah. and Bartender Atlas on Instagram. And he was saying that he makes a point of any time he goes to any bar, if they have a cocktail list, he makes a point of trying... As if, even if he doesn't even necessarily feel like a cocktail, he will try one of their cocktails because he knows the work that went into it. And he's like, if it's shit, maybe he won't try another one. But like, and maybe he'll go to a, a classic cocktail or a beer or whatever. But they, he figures they put the effort into it. You've, he knows what goes into it, so it's the least you can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're a cocktail drinker, now if you don't drink cocktails, that's oh, yeah, obviously whatever, a different yeah. story. Well, it's just also a timing thing. Like, you're not going to get it fast. So, you no. Because <laughs> yeah, I can't batch any of like, put anything together you yeah. know, for that. But yeah. And plus, like, like you were talking about the Christmas present thing, like freezing when someone puts prevents, presents you with something like that. Talk about freezing. When you're, like, ass deep in cocktails and someone's like, I want something savory that doesn't have gin. It's just like, watch your mind go blank. Totally. <laughs> I mean, I have, at this point, I have so many back pocket drinks that sure. you kind of, as long as you get a kind of scripted conversation, you know, uh, just give me a spirit, you know, uh, okay, gin, is this dry refreshing, or do you want something, you know, bold and sweet or whatever, but so you, you can get there pretty quickly, and it's normally something maybe you, you can tweak it a little bit, but yeah, there, I mean, there's obviously, like, people in the industry should know better. I mean, we had, I don't know if you remember when I... Before I worked for you, when I brought in my buddy, who's a bartender, who had maybe too many, they had just opened. Sugar Run had just opened, and he was modding, modding their dance drinks or whatever. Yeah. It was just like he was wasted or whatever. I was like, dude, you're, I'm not taking you out ever again. <laughs> like, no, I remember yeah. the specific one where he was just like, I can't remember what cocktail you ordered that had like a peated, uh, yeah, 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 a peated mist in mist, it. But it wasn't peated scotch mist. <laughs> and he was like, "Well, it's not lagavulin. It should be lagavulin because yeah. that was what they used at the bar that he worked at." Yeah. I was like, oh like a mist of peated scotch is gonna taste like a mist of peated scotch. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Dan? Think back to your like days behind the behind the wood at Revolution. What were some of the things that used to drive you nuts? People would hammer on, because it was a nightclub, people would hammer on the fucking bar. Oh, yeah. So we dealt with a lot of shittiots. Do you ever have the guys who waved the money? Yep. Yeah. All the fucking times. That's when everyone paid with cash still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back when you paid with cash and people would wave the money at the end of the bar. I used, to, I used to stop service right in the middle of it and I would just go, hey, I hope, is, is everybody cool? This guy is clearly indicating that he's more important than you and needs to get his drinks faster. So are you guys all good if I serve him first? Yeah. <laughs> 
That was a good way to um, get that guy to skulk <laughs> off to a different bar. Yeah, yeah there, was all, and there was also always the old status guys. I probably must have told the story at least on the show once. Uh, yeah, who, who can remember? Yeah, right, sure as fuck, yeah. Uh, we switched from, because of the fights, the fights got a little out of hand after a while, uh, they had to switch from serving up beer bottles to plastic cups. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a Friday night, and Heineken and Corona were the, the drinks of choice for the cool cats. Mm-hmm. And so they were five fifty. I still remember that at the time, the price. And the regular like Canadian or Coors Light was like three seventy five or four twenty five. And so guys would order. I remember you just know which guys were trying to show off to be cool to their friends. And uh, I remember saying a couple of guys, oh, get a Heineken. I said, hey, just so you know, we've had to switch to plastic cups, so it all looks the same. And he goes, oh, I'll take a course light. <laughs> I don't think you have to, I've heard that story before. I don't think you've told the show before. That's a classic. I remember a server uh, I worked with had a table, and the guy was like, uh, let's get a Coors Light. And she's like, we don't have Coors here. He's like, oh, what's the the closest thing I can get? She's like, well, I can put a penny in your soda water. (laughs) (laughs) Good. We need need more quick-witted service staff. So what about for you? Oh, I have so many. Like that was the the, the waving of the money was a big one. Yeah. The, the other thing from nightclubs was when somebody would like. You'd th- I mean, they'd be waiting three deep. Sometimes they're waiting fifteen minutes before they get to the bar to place the order, and then they get there and they have no fucking clue what they want. <laughs> and then they're asking all their friends what they want, and so you're just standing there waiting. Meanwhile, there's a million other people waiting. You serve them, and by the time you get all the drinks back, of course, they all want different shots. Like, it's, they want five shots, but they're all different, and they all are paying for their own yep. bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you get to the, you get back to them to try and get the money out of them, and they've already turned their back and are dancing to whatever <laughs> song is on. And so they're like, oh, that one used to drive me mental. I, I fucking hated working at nightclubs, though. I used to call it death by a million quarters. But it's just like, I know I'm not really doing any fancy work back here, but it, my work wasn't worth more than like one quarter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you pile up enough of those quarters that the night ends up okay, which is why you would keep doing it. But still, it was just—it was right in your face. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel like I that's it. I'll, we'll never do it again. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you get to an age where you yeah, can't, yeah. right? Like I know people have ridden that nightclub vibe into like their forties, late forties, and it's just like, how are you doing this still? Like that's a young, yeah. a young person's game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's weird, it's, and it's a time capsule, like, uh, the culture just hasn't changed, like, it's just, uh, from what I see, I mean, I, I never really went out to those, like, I was a, I was a pub guy from the time I was, like, 16, yeah. you know, but, uh... I but you I, worked in a club? Not a club, but, like, uh, that volume style bar, like, kind of, okay. yeah, university, kind of, you know, younger yeah. stuff, we were definitely tuning tall cans and schooners of beer and, uh, you know, uh, drop shots and all that stuff, yeah. Right. You know what else I hated was that, it, what I always still hate to this day is like when you walk up to a table, and I, I, I do understand why people do this, but it drives me nuts is when people go, well, what do you recommend? And I'm like, I just met you. I have no fucking clue what <laughs> yeah. you like. I, I have, have no, stolen I, that line so many times. <laughs> I have not, like, we just met. Let, let's, we're just getting to know each other here. I don't know what you like, what you don't like. I don't know what you're allergic to. And... Inevitably, every time I've recommended something to somebody, they don't get it. So, like, they don't order it. Like, I'll be like, well, my three favorite things on the menu are this, this, or this. They'll be like, great, I'll have that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you know, that one drives me nuts. Like, just, how do you not know what you want? 
Yeah, and, and why do you think that I'm gonna know what you want? Exactly. Like, I have no idea. So, yeah, I agree. And thanks for that line. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> no problem, that's what I'm here for. Um, so, what do you guys think about, like, going forward? Like, we're talking about nightclubs there for a second. Like, what is the, what's the prognosis for the nightclubs these days? I know the restrictions are being lifted. Eventually, things have to get back to normal. Are you guys feeling optimistic about the future of the service industry? Oh, that, was, that was tandem size. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is what we need a YouTube channel. Yeah. I mean, optimist. I mean, I'm just generally not an optimistic person. So, so and not to mention, I've been, I've been wrong every prediction I've made. You know, as far as about like, the pandemic. Yeah, like, oh, we're not going to go into lockdown. Another one. No way. You know, like. Uh, I kind of, I kind of keep quiet on those now. Yeah, I mean, of course, I think it's the the industry is going to survive in independent places. But you know, locally, it's like you know, not being from Kitchener, moving here. You know, I just realized you know, a few weeks ago I've been living in Kitchener longer in pandemic than not. Oh, oh wow! Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, so. Uh, but I did get What a that. way to spend your pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I did get that year and a half to be downtown and really see the sort of excitement around it. You know, owners like you, Kip, and, and, and a bunch of other restaurants, like the, people were excited about what was happening, and, and it was infectious. Um, mm-hmm. it was, you know, com- coming from Kingston, where it's, it, it, you know, it's established downtown with restaurants, but it's very old, kind of old, and there are a lot of restaurants here that... You know, I just didn't see there a lot of, especially in, on the bar front. Mm-hmm. You know, crafting. You know, the co- yeah. cocktails and stuff like that. Uh, I don't know if that's more because of its proximity to Toronto or whatever. But um, yeah. yeah, so I couldn't help to feel that, and, I, and then, but it wasn't at the point where I think it could really sustain the blow from the pandemic. So it really, it really feels like that two step forward, ten steps back. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's freaky. But you know, you see these condos coming up and. It's like yeah, people yeah. need to the go people somewhere. Are the con- those yeah, condos yeah. are like a fucking oasis in the desert right now. <laughs> yeah. It's like I can see them. Are they real? I, I, like, they're almost built. It's like the opposite <laughs> of it. if you build it, they they'll come. It's like yeah. they will. They're, they're here. What about you, Janine? How do you feel? I'm like I think I'm more optimistic than the two of you. Just in combined. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's a low bar to clear, <laughs> but sure. <laughs> But I do feel like we've just lost so many good people. And yes. if we do get back to somewhat of a normal, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be a hustle. There's gonna be a lot of training, that's for sure. Like basically my experience, and I'm sure you guys feel the same thing, and like well I know you have because I'm working with you, is the people who are out there are have do not have the like generally if the the two places that I own that you guys run are like no one's first stop on their journey in the industry. Like, you gotta have some skills already, generally, to work at a place like either of these spots. But we don't have that luxury anymore. Now you're hiring people who essentially have zero experience or are fresh off one round of experience at like mm-hmm. a Krabby Joe's or a Kelsey's or Eastside Mario's. And we gotta scoop them up because the people aren't out there. And then it's like, I, I feel like the future is gonna be a lot of fucking hard training. Yeah, and if you get the right person, yeah. it's fine. They'll, like, do education at home on their own. But if you get someone who's just like, I want to make, like, good cash and peace out, it's going to be hard, right? I'm optimistic, but I also think it's going to be it's gonna be tough when you need to have a full staff again. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, and that's coming soon because summer's on the way. That means patios, yeah, more true. staff needed, etc. You guys think that a lot of people might not go out as much anymore just because they've learned to make more cocktails at home or just learned to pick yeah. up better drinks? Or I think people are going store. out as much because maybe in their group of friends, some of them have two vaccines and maybe some of them have uh, none or one. And so it's way easier for them to all get together if they get together at someone's house. Plus, everyone was doing home renovations during, well, for sure, the first lockdown, even the second one. So everyone has a cool new, like, I don't know, patio or, like, basement. Yeah, Yeah. whatever. And then you can have everyone over, right? No one's watching you at your house and asking if people are double-vaxxed. So... Yeah, I, I, I think it's going to take a little bit of time, honestly, for people to fully come back out. I, like, people will, it will happen, people get bored and whatever, but I, I will say that I, it did worry me at first when we were like, fucking pivot, let's do online yeah. cocktail classes. I'm like, wait, is this like that thing where the magician teaches the people the trick and then all of a sudden there's no magic show? But, <laughs> you know? no. They like, still can't do the trick, though. No, I mean, so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that's... You're not going to be able to put out the same... Quality, or maybe you can for the you know the your, the certain drinks that you've got stocked at yeah. your home bar that you kind of put the time into it or yeah. whatever. But so much of our job is like repetition and muscle memory. I mean, yeah. there's no way you're gonna put out some of the more complicated drinks as good as somebody who's done it that many times, or even mm-hmm. have the the well stocked back bar. Um, right. I don't think that many people have that. I think for me, it's more just the the social habit. You know, like that's what I guess going back to the the lockdowns. Um, because I was pretty, I was really, uh, really shy growing up, and I, I could have done this lockdown easy, <laughs> you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. it would have been a dream. But um, but then I didn't realize how much of the habit I had of because of my job to like be out and be social, and so that took a while, uh, and I think for a lot of people. And then, like anything, the habit's broken, mm-hmm. and so it's just going to take a while for people to. Just to get back to, to the swing of things. Yeah. The swing of things, yeah. the comfort, you know, like uh, there's a lot less eye contact. I'm noticing at the bar, you oh, know, like, right? yeah, oh, yeah, just, like yeah, it's yeah. like people, you know, going out and they're just, yeah. People are, don't really know know how to socialize anymore, and they don't. I, I mean, that's I, yeah. I've, I've talked to a lot of people, sort of private conversations in the industry, who are, you know have like crazy anxiety coming back. Uh, mm. You know, shaky hands, dropping dropping off drinks. You know, like every like those first few shifts are like. You know, even needed I to call in. A, like, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, just like, can I carry a tray of wine? <laughs> to like, like a group of know? people confidently, um, that, that's a huge thing with staff. And I think, I'm sure like uh, customers have similar things too, going into yeah. busy, busy places. And Well, I've had some, can I tell you some customer stories? Please do. Can I run the show? Yeah. I've had, here, I've had people who will mask sometimes every time I come over, and I'm just like, in high, I didn't say anything when it had happened, but I had talked to some friends about it, and maybe, maybe they were doing it for me, or maybe they were doing it just because they were still, like, hesitant about being out, but it kind of, like, is just like, oh, okay, like, every time they, like, they would stop eating, stop drinking, and put their mask on, I'm just like, oh, like, this is, this can't be good times for you, mm. so then I would just, like, then I was like, okay, if I stay here, this is kind of where they like stop and like put their mask on. So if I stay this far back, then they're fine with it. So mm-hmm. I would, if I was just doing like a Popeye, like how's everything tasting, whatever, I would just stay back further. So they seem to be more comfortable. But last, not last year, two years ago, I was working at Graffiti Market and it was 
the after the very first lockdown. So the first time restaurants and bars had opened since the lockdown and we were serving on the patio and I was dropping off food to a table and there was a lovely young man who pretty much like went horizontal when I dropped off his food and I was just like, <laughs> like, I'm so sorry. Like I, like, and like you came out to a fucking restaurant though. Like what? Really somebody's going to have to bring your food. If you're yeah. too scared for a human being to be that close to you, you should eat it all. Yeah. And also like you're outside and like I'm wearing a mask and I can't remember if he was or wasn't. Little did they but know that we used to do their food and drinks pre-pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know people who are like terrified to get their mail from the super mailbox. Oh, yeah. Oh, so it's... it's remember that point in the pandemic where people were like fucking... Washing their washing groceries. Their groceries when they got home? <laughs> yeah. And they're quarantining them? Yeah. Uh, like, uh, two weeks for touching them? Like, sure. Well, it's that, like, it, honestly, that is the true fucking rocky story of this fucking pandemic is that bars and restaurants still exist after there was a time where people sanitized their own fucking groceries. (laughs) You were still willing to come out to a bar or restaurant and have another human being serve your shit. I served hmm. a table the other night where they were talking about how they used to do that. I'm just like, wow, this must be a huge step for you that you are out in a bar. Like, I can't imagine what you've gone through to get to this point. Yeah, but good. I mean, thank God they are. Like, Yeah, for sure. But I was just like, oh my God. First of all, we usually start eating our food like in the car on the way home. I can't imagine like waiting till you get home, cleaning it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> true, true. I, like, I feel part of it's like, the one reason why this business was foolproof was because people want to be around other people but the thing that worries me sometimes is that like I was talking to a a friend of ours who's been on the show and I want to out him because actually he won't care Um, (laughs) Johnny Goodtimes who was one of the early episodes the early interviews on this show and he was saying like how Friday night used to be at his house like oh what are we going to do tonight and then after like Two years of pandemic later, it was like Friday night. What's on that? And what's on Netflix, right? So yeah. pe- people have learned to stay home and be okay, making their own dinner and drinking for a lot cheaper. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Like the the, the, uh, the business wasn't made on cheap drinks. No. <laughs> so well, unless you're a student bar. <laughs> the bars have always, or the the good ones, good bars, restaurants. I mean, have always kind of operated with a high standard of not the social distancing and that sort of thing i think people will maybe think about where they go a bit more but eventually mm-hmm. like uh, as soon as the the, the proximity stuff kind of settles down as far as you know standing uh, shoulder to shoulder with somebody yeah. like uh, i was never afraid to go to you know the restaurants i went to before because i know how they operate right and, and uh, mm-hmm. you do you know. think that there's um that this leads to us needing to elevate our game as far as a curated experience for people like we have to give people a more of a reason because let's be honest minimum wage also went up in Ontario recently and for so for servers which is a good thing but anytime uh, speaking of from the owner side anytime we're getting less people we're paying more for the stuff that we have to buy groceries have gone up right so and, and now we're paying more for labor plus like what you said, people may will still want to go out, but they want if they're going to go out, they want it to be a little bit more special. Do we? Does that have to make us force us to elevate our game as far as curating experience for them? Does it mean that we have to like be working extra hard to have a better menu, a better cocktail menu, whatever? Does it mean we have to 
like provide enter more entertainment. Like it used to be. And hopefully, I guess anything elevating any comp is competition thing. is good. So except for prices. No, I know, but like, yeah, <laughs> of course that would be a silver lining. I don't know if that. I mean, if if we'll see that necessarily. Like, I mean, I always look at that as just a product of competition, neighbor. You know. Like, do you think that people are eventually just going to come out no matter what because they create yeah. the? Yeah, I don't think. think I don't think. Yeah. That can change, uh, you know. As people will go back to what they're, what they do naturally, as long as they feel safe. Mm. So it really depends. I mean, obviously, virus isn't going anywhere. So that, I mean, that's the that's the main thing. But um, can I interject? For yeah, a second? of course. Yeah. That the beauty of both of these spots is that they're very like separated. Feel free to name them. Oh, okay. <laughs> so Sugar Run, for those of you who haven't been, is very like spaced out. Like I feel like when it was like the, like space your tables six feet apart, mm -hmm. that was already kind of like naturally done within your bar, which yeah, we is didn't really, have to much, really yeah. weird. I was just like, oh wow, like this bar was built for the pandemic, except for the fact that it was underground. And hidden. And, yeah, and, and a bar. Hidden. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And a bar. Oh yeah, that part sucks. <laughs> Ever was it good, but like the actual layout, mm -hmm. like was perfect. Like you were already spaced away from people, and same with Babylon Sisters. Like basically, there's three separate rooms, right? So you can close doors, you can open doors, and it's all like fairly spaced out. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely worked in our favor. Like I feel like a lot of people who come in here, and are like, oh, like we're like so far apart from the next table, you know? So not by design of how the. Pre-pandemic, at Sugar Run, you know, we've been shoulder to shoulder. Right, the bar. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. so I mean, as far as oh, the, the bottom line goes, uh, <laughs> it sucks. Well, you guys are what really places like are actually sustainable? You know, whether or not there, there's breathing room to spread right. people out, are they, is that sustainable for the the low margins? You it's know, not. the narrow mm. margins that uh, restaurants have. Yeah, like, that's one thing that I can personally speak to. It's definitely not like you. The, like the only reason that any of these businesses have made it is because of government subsidies. And let me just say, like our fucking federal government is getting a lot of backlash right now. This isn't a political show. I'm not. Although I did do a lot of ranting about anti-vaxxers pre in previous episodes. If you really want to hear my opinion on that, but um, but I will say is like you can say whatever you want about our the federal government. Not one of these, unless you're like a massive chain restaurant, not one of these fucking small independent bars and restaurants would have survived, and a lot of them still didn't without the subsidies that our federal government has provided to us, and that's rent and wage subsidy, and then grants, and no interest loans, all of the, and low interest loans, like, this is what's kept the industry alive, so, you know, like, I'm not personally willing to park my truck in front of a border or a business because of <laughs> because of some sort of angst against what the government has done, as far as I'm concerned, neither of these businesses would be alive without the federal government right now. So I think it's okay to just take a step back and appreciate that as well. Mm -hmm. What do you think about the the LCBO as far as like finally being a time where they they could really bail a lot of people out if they were doing more about wholesale pricing and stuff? Like you have to. Well, would they give a fucking is that percentage off? Yeah, for yeah. for licensees and stuff. Yeah. I've always, I mean, I see 
There's a lot of talk about that. Is there? It's not, it's not, yeah. That's not something. No. That will ever happen. Well, I, I mean, mean they've done it. It started yeah. in January. Oh, we it get, did. I yeah. Know. And I, I can't remember what it is. It's like 10, 15 percent off oh. our orders if you're a licensee. Hey, great. Like yeah, I'm not yeah. going to turn down that. But does that account for the fact that during the first lockdowns they were like, how do we get on the Uber Eats for? Delivering our liquor, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, you're making money hand over fist right now, and like, well, I mean, how many Saturdays, Matt, did you and I sit at Sugar Run, hoping people would come in to buy to-go cocktails? Yeah. And like, we did great at the beginning, but then eventually, you know, the LCBO starts delivering through food delivery services. Yeah. Why are you going to come and buy a pre-made cocktail from us? <laughs> like. Yeah. So okay. yeah, no, that's still a racket. <laughs> Yeah, no, I was just curious what your thoughts are. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, that's always been a frustration that licensees essentially pay more. <laughs> I mean, and you don't get any of the, uh, that's right. you don't even get any of the discounts that a, like a regular consumer would at the store. Oh, and they'll fuck with you too. Like, the I, there's horror stories of the AGCO representatives coming to bars and restaurants and asking for all of your liquor store receipts and then cross-reference them with your POS Oof. so that if wow. you tried to pull a fast one and not give your licensee number to the LCBO when you go because it would be ostensibly yeah, cheaper for you yeah. then they can burn you and it's massive fines like it, it's 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 a fucking monopoly it's a conglomerate they're the liquor mafia in Ontario Seriously. you don't get airplane miles yeah. no, no, no you can't get airplane miles you it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's only yeah. a regular when, uh, when it's like two dollars off you know Tito's or whatever the, the license doesn't get that either. oh really yeah. oh I didn't know that yeah. I thought oh, and, 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 and even to the stretch like if there's a promotion like you know how some of these bottles will put yeah, like so a, the airline bottles on the side like yeah. a little spark plug on the side of it or or even like a t-shirt or whatever the fuck yeah. if you're a licensee member you don't get the t-shirt up. no nothing you can't get any promotional shit from them oh, you can get no. it from your liquor reps shout out to i already made a shitty comment about pma and i meant it as a joke but like shout out to our great pma reps who have both been on this show laura nielsen and jess sharkey because they are fucking awesome and so is everyone who I've met who's worked for that company. So you will get that shit back from the reps. But if you go to the LCBO specifically, no, you're not allowed to get any of it. Mm. So not great. Mm. <laughs> not great. I'm not sure it's been here with the with your back bar, but I, I can't. I mean, every every week on my order, there's stuff that they just can't get, and that's all. Damn, that's I mean, COVID. I'm sure it's COVID related, but uh, supply chain issues. Supply like, chain yeah. issues for sure, but. Uh, that's got to be one of the bigger frustrations to like be working with a menu, and then um, there was a point where we couldn't get Campari, we couldn't get uh, mm-hmm. right now where it's Vermouth. Oh, so really? I don't know if you you must be uh, dry Vermouth. And, like it's hurt, it's hurting our cocktail known as the Vermouth service. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like <laughs> so I was wondering because I mean I, I have specific ones yeah. that I get that I can't. Yeah. I mean mezcal tequila mezcal is fucking gone. Tequila like uh, I mean these are spirits now that are just uh, missing from the shelves. I would like to, to give a little shout out as, well, as we are on this episode to all the reps who really fucking kick ass at their job though because they are invaluable and like especially now opening the door to all the wine reps that we get here at Babylon, the liquor reps, the beer reps that we good that we got uh, we get at Sugar Run as well. Some of the great ones have been on this show. Greg Brow, for yeah. sure, deserves a shout out. He's Greg yes. Brow, I'm sorry yeah. I didn't uh, message you back today. Swiftly after this podcast. <laughs> Greg Brown's uh, one of my great friends, he, and he's also a, a legendary rep. Like, he literally has kicked 
his job's ass so hard that there's not a bar that you can find in the city that doesn't have Wellington because he's so great to deal with. Or doesn't love him. Yeah. Yeah, and then and I do mean in what I said about PMA, we should also give a shout out to some of our favorite wine reps, David Loby, Jace Dawson, Wes Classen, who's been on the show, Rob Miller, who should probably be on the show at some point. Candace. Candace, yes, Weenie. Amazing. I don't want to forget someone on the oh. Johnny, good times. Yes, good times. Yeah. So, and like all of these reps have been, uh, Matt Wu is great as well. Uh, all, all of these people. Oh, um, Brendan Jones. Brendan Jones, yeah. Wow. Sorry, Brendan. We love anyone's Anyone curious. vodka. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay, so we should probably wrap this up. Well, this is long past the time that anyone's going to keep listening. So, <laughs> I'm guessing based on the mm-hmm. time that we read it's here. Just under an hour. No, not too bad. Oh, we're doing all right. They're still listening. I, I've got the mental I'm alarm clock now. <laughs> <laughs> You're not. Yeah. Uh, I want to thank both of you for coming on the show for our 100th episode. This was a super fun conversation, exactly how I wanted to go. Both of you were hard gets for this show, so I do appreciate you doing it. They were tough gets. Yeah. Like, I like, needed a new my booking job agent. Is literally on the line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes that's what you gotta do. It's sort of Damocles. Yeah, well, yeah. how about you be on the 100th episode or, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I need your just, keys just for chasing a new the cleaner. cheese. <laughs> but more than anything, I want to thank my other wife. Mr. Dan Savetta, who's the brains behind the operation uh, here. No brains, I just turn the knobs, push you the buttons. Well, I don't do any of that shit. I just show up, drink, and talk. So thanks very much to you, Dan, for 100 episodes. This has been an awesome adventure. It's been super fun. Well, thanks for coming out to being a great host. Well, sometimes. <laughs> but I don't know. Some, sometimes it's too generous. <laughs> <laughs> One times. <laughs> but who knew we would make it to 100? And if we if we can somehow do 100 more, that would be amazing because it's always been fun. We've met an incredible amount of amazing people on this mm-hmm. show. I, I really encourage anyone who is listening to this for the first time to go back through the archives and listen to some of the unbelievable people we've talked to on this show. Like people from, we've had the, like let's, run through really quickly the countries of people we've talked to. China was the... China. That was a pretty cool one. Estonia. Yeah. England, obviously, a couple times. England a couple times. Brazil. Brazil, yes. I feel like we're already forgetting some, but we're well into the (laughs) champagne and wine on episode 100 now. But yeah, people from all over the world. We've had... uh, We had someone from Finland. We Mm -hmm. uh, Lots of people from uh, west in Vancouver and Montreal, closer to home all over the U.S. We've had an incredible amount of amazing guests from the U.S. and some like real stars in the bar industry. So we've been very lucky and we appreciate all the guests who have come on and we hope to keep it going and have many more of you. Mm-hmm. So once again, as we always say, if you want to be a guest on the industry podcast, then you should email us at info at the industry club. You should DM us at the industry podcast on Instagram. Please subscribe, rate, rate and review the show. It helps us a lot. And uh, thanks to all the listeners. Thanks to all the guests. And thanks to you two, the toughest guests. Cheers. Yeah. The toughest <laughs> guests, sorry, for the <laughs> podcast. All right, cheers, guys. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Happy 100. Happy 100.